ready for the word this morning? This morning, I really, I, I had anticipated really all week long, I was meditating on and thinking that I'd be preaching to you this morning about barriers, about how every barrier between us and God has been systematically and permanently removed, and how now we can go as deep into God as we want to just because we want to. But yesterday, as I was, I was sitting down to uh, spend some quiet time, something else came. It just felt wrong. It didn't feel right to preach on that yet. So hopefully next week we'll get to. I really felt strongly inclined today to talk to you about desire. Because, listen, the, the, the Lord gave me a statement. I've shared with you how most of the teachings I get, they come to me in a form of a statement. And I'm going to make the statement several times today, but I want you to hear it several times, and then you'll be able to understand it through what we're teaching today. And this is the statement that I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me. If your desire is insatiable, your progress will be unstoppable. I want to say that again. Remember this. If your desire is insatiable, your progress will be unstoppable. If we desire him more than anything, then there is nothing the enemy can do to stop us from obtaining that place in him that we desire. But what I'll show you today is, listen, that, that although, um, you know, I think like many of you, when, when I first, I, I didn't get saved in a word of faith church or even a positive church. It was hellfire, brimstone, and condemnation. Run to the altar every Sunday because even if you didn't sin during the week, the preacher made you feel like you did. So you ran to the altar to get saved. You didn't even know what you were getting saved from, but you had to get saved just in case. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't fault or in any way judge those folks that they, I know they love God. But can I just say, religion can really mess you up. And you can love God and still be religious. And I mean, that, that's, a, that's a, a, a process of throwing off those religious thoughts and, and, and boundaries. And I've shared with you how, in, you know, one of the, for years I was uncomfortable with my gift, with my calling of a teacher, because the, the, the pastor I got saved under was a preacher, world-famous preacher, and he would say, teaching is what you do when you're not anointed enough to preach. Well, that made me feel like a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God because no matter how hard I tried to preach and spit on the first three rows, I never preached. After the first couple spits, my mouth got dry and I just couldn't spit on anyone else. And, and I mean, you know, and then there were other statements that were made over the years that I really had to work to overcome because, listen, when you're zealous for God, Hear me. If you're apathetic, then what anyone says makes no difference. But when you're zealous for God, the wrong voice can really mess you up. Because the enemy will use your zeal against you. Because you think, well, if that's what i got to do to please God, I want to please God more than anything, so I'll do that. And years go by and you discover that you've been in prison all those years because it was a religious person that told you that. And so one of the things, you know, that I heard early on was, you know, another thing that I would hear, and, it, and, and, and then I married, well, let me, I, I heard that if you plan anything, 
from a service to your life, anything, you're not trusting God. So I, I, I was Mr. Spontaneity in everything. I planned for nothing. And, and I still struggle with planning things. But it, it, and then I say I married, I married a woman that makes plan B in case plan A don't work, and then she does a plan C in case plan B don't work, and she has plans for plans in case the other plans don't work for that plan. You know, and I'm like, hey, let's jump in the car and go. And she'd be like, okay, where are we going? Well, you know, there, you need to plan some things because, you know, sloppiness ain't spirituality. I had to overcome that thing. Well, another thing that I heard early on was that desire is evil. And, of course, they would talk about the desires of the flesh. You know, Paul wrote in Galatians, you have to crucify the desires. <laughs> Of the flesh. Well, you know, and that's true. Paul did write that. But can we, and, and, and I'll show you in a few verses as soon as we get started, there are such things as evil desires. But not all desire is evil. Desire is a word that the Bible is, is populated with desire. Do you know God has desires? He has desires. Good people have desires. The Bible talks about that the desire of the righteous leads only to good. So the righteous have desires and the evil have desires. But just because evil people have evil desires doesn't mean that every desire is evil. And here's the thing that we have to understand and we have to learn to differentiate desire because, listen, desire is, is related to passion. If we have no desire, then we have no passion. And if we have no passion, we are, by definition, apathetic. We ought to be people of great desire. I think it was D.L. Moody that said that the people of God ought to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Amen? So today I want to talk about desire because, listen, for so many of us have been, especially once again, going back to the zeal thing, so many of us have been made so afraid of asking for the wrong thing that we will settle for no thing when our Heavenly Father would gladly give us everything. You following me? But because we're so afraid, what if God doesn't want me to have it? He won't give it to you. Hello? If you're asking for the wrong thing, listen, how many of you are born again? Raise your hand. There's not a lot. All of you are born again, right? Then that means your spirit is alive unto him. And if you're asking for the wrong thing, you'll know it. On the inside, you'll know it. But we're so afraid of asking for the wrong thing that we'll settle for nothing. And you see, and listen, I'm, I, I, I'm the... Brother Hagen used to say, the hardest thing in the world is to stay in the middle of the road. Everyone wants to go to one ditch or the other. And, and I've never... I just, listen, I've got lots of faults. My desire and my zeal for God has never been one of them. I've always hungered for Him more than anything. 
And that's been my greatest strength, but it's also been my greatest handicap. Because then when people say things or they do things, I overcompensate, such as for years we ran, once again, if I, I don't want to mention their names because if I did, you would know them. But some of the world's most famous prosperity preachers, God opened up the door and we were right there with them, working with them in the European field. And, and I saw a lot of abuses, or at least things that in my limited judgment I assumed were abuses. And so I overcompensated. And, and you know, I'd hear a preacher say, well, you should never sign your signature with anything less than a $25,000 pen. Well, dude, then I wouldn't sign nothing because I ain't even ever seen a $25,000 pen. I've gone to stores that sold high-end pens looking for one that expensive and couldn't find it. So I would have never signed nothing. But, you know, when people do that, then you overcompensate and say, well, if they're going to run to that extreme, I'm going to run to this extreme because I don't want to be labeled with them. Well, then guess what? Then you're both wrong. Because just because so, somebody abuses something doesn't mean we get rid of it just to prove that we're more righteous than they are. Our job is just to stay with the book. You know, the other day, I, 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 live, in the, I live in the great metropolitan area of Traveler's Rest. And the other day, I was driving through town, which I think is about a 35-mile-an-hour zone, and there was a guy coming through there. Those of you who are familiar with Traveler's Rest, you know how the road curves right there? He, I, he had to have been going over 80 because in, in his truck, he almost spun out on that curve. That's abusing cars. But guess what? I still drive through Traveler's Rest. Just because somebody abused it doesn't mean that I'm going to take the Swamp Rabbit Trail and ride the bicycle out of town every day. Because I tried that, and I felt, I felt like Fred Sanford by the end of the trail. I was like, I'm coming home, Jesus. I wouldn't even have made it to Furman. I would have been calling, I would have calling someone to come rescue me. I need a vehicle. One day, I, was, I don't know where I'm going. One day, I was out washing my Harley, and one of my neighbors rode by who's really big into bicycles. And he said, you ought to put some pedals on that thing. And I said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I don't want pedals. I want gas power. Amen. So what I'm saying is this. Listen. That just because there, it is possible that something could be abused, we don't set ourselves up for success when we divorce ourselves of something God gave us to bless us and we, we get rid of it just because somebody abused it. Truth be told, people are abusing everything. And if we're going to get rid of everything that somebody in the church abuses, we ain't going to be left with much. So we need, to, we need to understand desire. What is desire? We are creatures of desire. God made us to have desires. Let me give you a definition and then we'll get started because uh, the chicken is drying out as we speak. Listen to this. Desire is a powerful force in our lives. Desire, listen, desire is that internal act which by influencing the will makes us proceed to action. Desire is drive. When you desire a thing, it drives you in the direction of that thing. If you desire God, it drives you in the direction of Him. Amen? Desire, listen, is a passion excited by the love of an object or a person. Not all desires, I already said this, not all desires are holy. 
but not all desires are evil. Galatians chapter 5 is, is, is one that, that, that those who have more of a religious viewpoint like to point out. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24. I want to read it to you out of the New American Standard. It says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passion, with its passion and desires. That's the one I always heard. Well, you got to crucify those desires. Be desireless. Sit by the campfire of life and sing, Kumbaya, my Lord, whatever will be, will be. The devil can torment me. Well, that ain't faith. That's stupidity. You've heard me say that before, and there's a big difference. Because the very same Bible that contains Galatians 5, verse 24, also contains Mark eleven twenty-four. Hello? Should I read you Mark eleven twenty four? 24? It says, Therefore I say unto you. Now these, are, these words are written in red, so that means Jesus spoke them. Therefore I say unto you, Whatsoever things ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Jesus never, Jesus never desired that we be desireless. Now, most certainly, if we have fleshly desires that are evil in their intent and the object of their affection, then you do crucify those things. But the, the heartbeat of Christianity is this, hear me, that in Christianity, after the crucifixion comes a resurrection. And when, you, when you're called upon to crucify something, then that means it will be resurrected in a sanctified form. So most certainly we don't want to give in to fleshly desires, and the flesh does have desires. But the Spirit has desires as well. And when we follow the spiritual desires, as I already quoted to you, that the, 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 the desires of the, or the righteous lead only to good. Amen? Well, I told you I had a bunch of verses, so let's rip through some of them so we can get started. Proverbs, I'm sorry, I'm still getting used to these things. Psalm 37, verse 4. Listen to this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 145, verse 16. I love, I, I've been in the Psalms for months now, and I'm telling you what, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to give David a big old hug. Unless he's too manly, and then I'll just give him a forearm shiver. Psalm 145, verse 16, speaking of the Lord, said, You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Don't you know the Bible says that he will withhold no good thing from those who love him? Mm. Listen to this. Desire isn't to be denied. It's to be harnessed and focused and sanctified. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So there are evil desires. 
we need to learn to differentiate and not, not, cat, not categorize every desire as evil. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, For the flesh, everyone say flesh, sets its desire against the spirit. Okay, so the flesh has desires. And it sets those desires against the spirit. But those of us who are born again, we are more spiritual than we are fleshly. And the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Go to verse 16, Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the so the remedy is walking in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Does it sound like the apostle is telling us to divorce ourselves of all desire? No. He is telling us, because you remember, Paul was giving really wisdom to the Gentile church. And he was saying, look, you need to learn to understand there are evil desires. And when you were in the flesh, every desire you had was evil. But Paul was big into differentiating two groups of people. Paul never confused sinners and saints. He saw them as two biologically different classes of people. Those who are in Christ are not the same as those who are without Christ. Those who are without Christ have evil desires and they can't help themselves from their desires being evil because they is evil. But those who are in Christ are not evil. They're not evil. Y'all ain't never seen the movie, you ain't got a clue. If you're in Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. If I'm the righteousness of God, then that means I'm as righteous as God is. So how can I be evil? Now, does that mean I don't make mistakes? No, I most certainly make mistakes. But that don't define me as evil. That just gives me an opportunity to R-P-E-N-T. Find out what it means to me. Amen. I'm, I, at my core, I am righteous. So when I listen to my spirit and desires come up from within, they are godly desires, even if they, listen, even if they are the desires for things. Because what I want to show you as we go on today is that desire will produce things. Go back to Mark 11, 23 and 24. Whatsoever things ye desire when you pray, believe. Hmm? You can't separate desire from true faith. True faith is not an apathetic thing. True faith is an energetic thing. True faith has a focus. True faith has a pursuit. 
It's in pursuit of something. All right. Hmm. Go, let's go ahead and I'm going to skip a few of these things. Give glory a break. Go to Psalm 37, verse 4. I know you've already been there, but we're going to go back. Might camp out on it for a while. Listen, the Bible says in the book of Romans that if a man sets his desires on evil, God will give him over to those things. Desire will always produce what it desires. It will. Desire is an undeniable force. And if a man sets his heart on evil, he'll get it. But if we learn to focus and harness our desires on good things, guess what? It'll be just as undeniable as evil desires. And it will produce good things. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Too many saints have allowed themselves to be stripped of all desire, thinking that in their apathy that proves their holiness. And it doesn't. I've had people tell me, and Deborah's been there, and they, they've said, well, you know what, I used, to, I used to like decorating my house, but I died to. I used to like this, but I died to it. I used to like that, but I... Man, eventually their list of deaths, they've died to everything. But you know, the Bible, and I've said this to you before, the Bible doesn't focus on dying. It focuses on coming alive to. Even when it says to die to self, it's so that you can come alive to Him. So it's not about dying... It's about coming alive. He didn't come to give us death. He came so that we might have life. Now, we do die to things, but that's not the, the death is not the object. The death is a process that we go through so we can be resurrected into the newness of life. And when we come out the other side, the things that used to be evil are now righteous. But see, the religious don't understand the resurrection. To, to the religious, everything is about death. All they understand is death. But to those who walk in the spirit of life, death is a process. And when you come out the other side, you've been made alive. This, this verse, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you. I used to think when I first read it, I, well, you know, it says delight yourself in the Lord. So I thought if I just sang louder, jumped higher, twirled faster, fell out a few more times, if I just learned, then the Lord would give me all the desires of my heart. So I spun like a wild man. I jumped like a rabbit. And he, I weren't. That word delight, it literally means to be made soft and pliable. If you are soft and pliable in the hands of the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. 
The Lord is not against you having things. You've heard this said a million times. He is against things having you. Doesn't he say that if you'll seek first the kingdom, he'll add all of the things that the Gentiles seek to you? He'll give you all the things that the Gentiles seek. He just wants you and I to go about getting them in a different way. Seek first the kingdom. Don't manipulate. Don't steal. Don't extort. Don't twist the scripture to, to benefit you at the expense of others. If you'll just seek first the kingdom, then our Father who withholds no good thing from us will give us all those things richly to enjoy. And if we are soft and pliable in His hands, He will give us the desires of whose heart? Our heart. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 24. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 24. The scripture says, The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him. But the desire of the righteous shall be granted. How many of you believe the Bible? How many of you are righteous? Then the Bible says your desire will be granted. Now listen, i got to say something. Desire, as I told you, desire is related to passion. I believe this is why in, in, in Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 that the Lord used the word desire because our prayer ought to be passionate. If we have no desire in our prayer, then we have no passion in our prayer. If we have no passion in our prayer, then our prayers are lifeless and apathetic. But when our prayers are filled with desire then our prayers are passionate prayers. And the Bible says that the fervent, heartfelt prayers of a righteous man and woman availeth nothing. Oh, wait. The fervent. Oh, that, listen, that, that means almost feverish. That when you're praying, you're, you're just, you understand what I'm saying? Passionate about it. The passionate, heartfelt prayers that come from the heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your... When your prayers come from your their heartfelt, fervent prayers, those are the prayers that availeth much. In other words, I'm not going outside of the realm of the scripture to say that when our prayers are filled with desire, they accomplish much. But when they're passionless, then they do nothing. Our, listen, we ought to be people of desire. Let's, and we're never too old or too young or it. It is time to reignite our desire. Mm. To be people of passion. 
if you want to say, if your desire is insatiable, your progress will be unstoppable. But at the point, listen to this, at the point where your desire ceases, so does your growth. Say, give me Bible for that. Oh, happily. Happily. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. What do they desire? The sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Well, the word causes growth, does it not? But what drives you to the word? Y'all are sharp, quick, and on the ball. The word causes growth, but it's desire that drives you to the word. You desire to know Him. You desire to, to be in Him. You desire revelation. So your desire drives you to the Word. The Word that your desire drives you to causes growth. But if you have no desire, guess what? You're not going to be driven to the Word. And without desire, then your growth stops. How many of you have ever heard of the tribes of Manasseh and Gad? They desired to settle down where they were. They didn't want to continue fighting, so they asked Moses for permission to not go any further. They had lost the desire to continue. And Moses accused them of sinning against the rest of the tribes because if they stopped, the other, they would influence the others to not go further. At the place where our desire is satisfied, we stop. We ought to listen. Our desire ought to be insatiable. If you're at one level of life, you ought to desire the next. Well, I don't need more. Well, it, when did it become about you? If you go to the next level and you have more than you need, guess what? Now you can become an agent of change in the lives of other people. Imagine that. To be able to have more than enough to meet your own needs that you got so much left over, you have to get involved in the lives of others. Oh, my word. And you're not doing it to get because you already got. Wouldn't it be fun to go beyond living for our own needs and to be able to make it a game out of seeing how many people we could help in a single day? Mm. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. I told you I had a lot. Proverbs 13, verse 12. You all know this one. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire, and I love how people can always quote the sick part. Can't they? They can always, well, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but maybe that's not the end of the verse. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Out of the contemporary English, the same verse reads this, not getting what you want can make you feel sick. But a wish that comes true is a life-giving tree. You know, years ago, there was a great poet philosopher by the name of M. Jagger who said, you can't 
always get what you want. Oh, you can try sometimes, but you just might find you get what you need. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess in the world that Jagger lived, that was true. But in the kingdom of God, you can always get what you want. See, some of us, we have lived such a life of denial, we don't even believe that's true. And when it's said, we recoil at it. You can't always get what you want. Yes, you can. The Bible says you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. And you desire that for your own selfish reasons. But what if you're not asking for your own selfish reasons? What if you're not asking amiss? What if you're asking so that you can be a blessing in the lives of others? I declare to you, you can. And I'm going to show you where David, under the old covenant, always got what he wanted. And you and I can always get what we want if our desire is strong enough that we outlast the time it takes, because sometimes between the time of your asking and your receiving, there will be a season called summer. But if our desire is so great that we can outlast the season of wait, we will always get what we want. Sometimes I, I, I'm firmly, I, I, I can't speak for you, but I know for me, some of the places where I thought God denied me, it wasn't that he denied me, it's just that I got impatient. And I left the place before the answer came. Because I thought God lived on Miller time. Then I discovered he wasn't a beer drinker, so he doesn't live on Miller time. Y'all get that one? Okay. I know, it wasn't good. We can edit that out. God does things according to his time. And if we are people of faith, then we don't move until we get it. Doesn't James say, let patience have its perfect work? Then you will be complete and mature and lacking in nothing. Go to Psalm 145. Hallelujah, Father. Psalm 145, verse 16 through 19. Now I want to remind you, this was written under the Old Covenant. And the writer of Hebrews said, we, we, we are partakers of, we are inhabitants of, we are receivers of a better covenant. Listen to what the psalmist said. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. And he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Do you see that? The Lord's not closing his hands to us. Now go to Psalm 21. Verses 1 through 4. 
O Lord, in your strength the king will be glad. And in your salvation how greatly he will rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire. Do you see that? You have given him his heart's desire. And you have not withheld the request of his lips. Then I like how David said, Selah, sit on that one for a while. Pause and think about it. David said, you've given the king his desires, every desire of his heart you've given him. And you've not withheld the request of his lips. What is that saying? That's just a poetic way of saying, I prayed, you answered. I came to you, you came to me. I made requests of you and you delivered every time. Next. You, for you meet him with blessings of good things. I'm sorry. Yay. You meet him with the blessings of good things. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. Next. Verse 4. Don't we have verse 4? I have verse 4. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days, forever and ever. Now what I want to say to you, David, under the old covenant, had a track record of receiving the request he made of God. We know, if, listen, if we know nothing else of David, we know he was a man of passion. Sometimes his passion got him into trouble, but God never abandoned him. He was a man of passion. And he said, Lord, of every desire I've had, you granted it. You gave me everything I asked of you. And every time I met you, <laughs> you overwhelmed me with the blessing of good things. Everyone say, Old Covenant. This is when God was supposed to be a God of judgment and wrath. Can I say that again? This is the covenant under which God was supposed to be the God of judgment and wrath and anger. Yet David had a different kind of relationship with God. He said, every time I met you, you, you overwhelmed me with good things. Every time a request came from my lips, you answered it. You fulfilled every desire of my heart. David had a track record. Now let me ask you this. What did David do that we perhaps are not doing? Psalm 38, verse 9. I made it through quicker than I thought I would. Y'all must have been praying. Psalm 38, verse 9. Lord, all my desire is before you. And my sighing is not hidden from you. David didn't hide his desires from God. He said, everything I desire is before you. 
What's that mean? David said, Lord, here's what I desire. He laid them all out before God, and he said, my sighing is not hidden from you. David was bold enough and courageous enough because of the, God, the way he saw God. He wasn't afraid of laying his request, his desires before him. And as I said to you earlier, some of us have been made so afraid of wanting the wrong thing that we're even afraid of when we pray, asking for anything. You know I'm being honest here. You know I'm right. Because we, when we go to prayer, we, just, we, we don't, Lord I, Lord, I don't need anything. Really? Are you being honest? No, all of my needs are met. Okay, you selfish thing. What about your neighbor? What about the others down the road? What about, what about missions? What about orphanages? See, we, the, 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 it's not really that we're, we don't need anything. It's just we're so afraid of asking for the wrong thing that we settle for nothing. When if we really understood the heart of our Father, we would know that He would gladly give us everything. That's who he is. Why is it so quiet? It's time that we re listen, don't be afraid of having desires. Because if we if we are desire less, then we are apathetic. God doesn't respond well to apathy. He said, I would rather you be hot or be cold. But that lukewarm, apathetic, I find it rather distasteful. I think that he wants the church of God to be a people of passion. I believe that he wants us, those of us who are called by his name, to lay our desires before him. Knowing that if we're soft and pliable, if we delight ourselves in him and above everything else that we desire... Now, I'm not giving you permission to forget about him and only seek things. Come on, you know better than that. We desire him above everything else that we desire. But it's because we desire him above everything else that we're soft and pliable. And we'll do whatever he says to do, whenever he says to do it, wherever he says to do it, with whoever he says to do it. We'll go anywhere, give anything. Lord, you say it, I'll do it, no questions asked, because we have that attitude. He opens up the treasuries of heaven and says, now what can I do for you? Desire. I think it's time that we ignite our desires again. As I was meditating on this, I couldn't help but think of a funny story that Kenneth Copeland shared some years ago. He said that when he was, he was out traveling all the time, not, not the size of the ministry he is now, and his children were still young, and they may have already been living on Eagle Lake, I don't know, but uh, anyhow, one of his children, his children wanted a boat, and he had the same answer for everything, including those who were employed in his ministry, believe God, go ask God for it. And so he shared the story that his children wanted a boat, he told them to ask God, he went somewhere to preach, and when he came home, there were two boats in his, in his yard. One was a speedboat, and one was a sailboat. 
And he wanted to know what had happened. Well, it came out, his children had different desires. The son wanted a speedboat. The daughter wanted a sailboat. They couldn't get the story straight, so they both presented God with their desires. And when Kenneth prayed about it, he asked, he said, Lord, what, what, what is this? He said, your children ask. God ain't stingy. Do you think it's going to break heaven to give someone a speedboat and a sailboat? Well, that's just extravagant. Says who? How do you know that you, they, they, they couldn't decide to give one of them away or both of them away? Come on now. It's okay to have desires. If you don't have desire, then what? Listen. How do I say this? If you don't have desire, then you'll never ask. And the Bible says you have not because you ask not. So many things that we think God is withholding from us. Truth be told, it's because we've been so afraid of asking, well, what are they going to think if I have this? Or what are they going to think if I have that? What are they going to think if I'm blessed in this way? It might so affect them that they want to know God in the way you know him. And it might free you up in such a way that you become an agent of change in other people's lives. In closing, I want to ask you two questions, and you don't need to answer them now, but I hope you do sometime. Number one, what do you want in God? All of us should want a place in God. Going deeper in a shallow world. All of us should want a place in God. What do you want in God? I'll just tell you straight up, I want to know him even as he knows me. I ain't satisfied with where I've been in God. And then number two, what do you want of God? Don't be afraid of desire. Don't deny desire. Most certainly focus it, harness it, but let it loose. What do you desire of God? Once again, D.L. Moody said, the people of God ought to expect great things of God. And we ought to attempt great things for God. If your desire is insatiable, your progress will be unstoppable. You get that now? If your desire is insatiable, if you want to go so deep into God that your desire for him is insatiable, then it really won't matter what people do to offend you. It won't matter what the devil does to obstruct you. It won't matter the different things that happen to, 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 to distract you or alienate you. If your desire, listen, do you know if your desire is great enough, you'll go right, you'll walk right by an offense and never even know they attempted to offend you. Can I say that again? If your desire is great enough, you'll walk right by a perfect opportunity to be offended. I mean, they'll be cussing you out, and your desire is so great, you don't even know they're talking bad about you. They might be talking bad about your mama, and you don't even know it. Because your desire is so great that you're not focused on anything else. Just like when you were, when you were pursuing the person who's now your spouse. 
You're, you are so infatuated with them, somebody else could be waving over here, hey, look at me, and you're just the object of your affection. You can't even look anywhere else. You're looking right at them. You can be so desirous of God, you don't realize all the things the enemy does. That's the amazing thing that I get from the book of Psalms. It seemed like David was so aware of what God was doing, he was hardly aware of what the devil did. He was living in a cave, still talking about the greatness of God. Still writing poetry about the majesty of God while he was getting chased by an insane king. Your desire for good things can be so great that time means nothing to you. You'll still get it. Desire is an undeniable drive. Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah, Father. There will always be people who misuse and abuse the truth. But be diligent to hold on to the truth no matter how anyone else mistreats it. And the truth is this. Whatsoever things ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Be a man, be a woman of desire, great desire, insatiable desire. Never be satisfied with where you are in God or what you've received from God. And if your desire is insatiable, your progress will be unstoppable. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that from... Proverbs and Psalms and Matthew and Galatians, we have learned great truths today. We have learned that desire is a good thing, that desire is not to be bridled, but it's to be let loose. That desire drives me to the Word, and desire motivates my prayers. And Father, from this point forth, I pray over every person in this sanctuary, may they be May they be consumed with great desires. Desire to see things that they've never seen. Desire to go places in you they've never gone. Desire to know your word in a way they've never known it. And a desire to be a steward of such things that they've never stewarded before. So that they can be agents of change. And not in the lives of dozens or even hundreds. Why not entire nations? Hallelujah, Father. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would seal the truth that we've heard today. Let it not easily depart from our minds, but let it sink itself into our hearts and bear much fruit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. May you go in the grace of God. Be blessed.